0: Hey guys, Triple Whale is now offering post-purchase surveys absolutely free. Go check it out and enjoy the episode.
1: I started just selling really weird items. So I think the first one was around Christmas and it was just a candy cane. And that one sold for a couple hundred dollars. And what you I sold did... a
0: candy cane at Christmas for a hundred dollars?
1: Yeah. And that's oh kind my of the point. God. The point Wait. is like, why would anyone buy a candy yeah. cane for a hundred dollars? That was
0: that was my initial thought. Thank you guys so much for joining me again today. I am your host, Sarah Levender This is the Pit Stop Podcast. And I am joined today by one of my really good friends who actually lives close by to me. This is super rare. I feel like there's not a whole lot of us in the DTC industry that live in the state of Colorado. But this is Caleb. And I want to say your last name right. I keep saying it Polly. Is that correct?
1: You're close. Caleb Polly. Like Polly Pocket. Why
0: do I keep saying Polly? Polly Pocket. Oh, that's a good way. Okay. So, Caleb Polly, like Polly Pocket. And you have got like some really interesting stuff going on. You're the founder and CEO of Cubby Beds. And you guys, this is a really interesting product. But you guys are actually really interesting because you manufacture and market smart beds for specifically over a thousand special needs families across the US. And you've got just a really interesting product. And you're in a totally different industry than most people, I think, in the DTC world. So welcome. Thank you so much for being here. This is going to be fun. Yeah,
1: I'm excited to be here. And- Denver representing, mm-hmm. definitely a unique space we're in. So excited to share some of that knowledge and some of the journey we've gone through to get here.
0: Yeah, it's, it's going to be super fun. I, I find this really interesting because everybody's got a different background to how they came to this particular industry. Mine is kind of boring. I've just been in marketing a long time and just ended up here <laughs> randomly. That's just, there's no fun part to it. But yours, though, you have one of those really fantastic backstories that I, I think every entrepreneur wished they had. Especially because it sounds like you've been doing this for a long time. So explain this to me. I found this on your LinkedIn, and I thought it was really interesting because I always, I always stalk all of my podcast people before they come on. You've been doing this since you were fifteen. Is that correct?
1: I've been doing versions of this since I was fifteen. Yeah, so. that is mm.
0: bonkers. That's it's been so a while. young. Yes, you have kind of like a almost like a Gary Vee kind of style background where you just were steeped in it since you were like a baby basically. You had this story on your LinkedIn where you sold a slobbery tennis ball on eBay for $750 and that was kind of like your introduction to this particular industry. So you got to tell me, how did you even get to that? Get to that like product market fit. That's a really interesting origin story.
1: Yeah, it's a a weird story and that was kind of the point of it. So I I discovered kind of became A little mini entrepreneur when yeah i was 15 which would have been like 2005 2006 so this is (laughs) before amazon ebay was the big thing and so i started selling stuff on ebay at first it was just stuff around the house much to my parents dismay things that i randomly (laughs) found kind of garage sale style and then started importing stuff from alibaba so now you see all these drop shippers on instagram selling all all those courses around it i was Doing that very early, and so buying from wholesale a lot of electronics, clothing, things like that from Alibaba, and selling it on eBay, ended up becoming a power seller, making a good she? amount of just stuff sold on eBay, which is a fun experience. But yeah, the, the weird stuff. There's a little bit of a backstory to that. So I started just selling really weird items. So I think the first one was around Christmas, and it was just a candy cane, and that one sold for a couple hundred dollars. And you what sold I the did,
0: candy cane at Christmas for a hundred dollars.
1: Yeah. And that's oh, kind of the point. God. The point is like why would anyone buy a candy yes. cane for hundred dollars? That was
0: that was my initial thought, especially at Christmas. Yeah. Like maybe if it's in July I could understand that. But isn't <laughs> there like a ton of mar- like product at Christmas? That's interesting. Okay, good to you. Sorry. So you sold it so at Christmas. So the reason for that,
1: so I started yeah, just yeah. selling these weird things and so I'd sell something for a hundred dollars. And what I did is I had all these other kind of online friends that I only knew as screen names at that point, but At the start, I would just get them to bid up my auctions. And then you would basically get kind of a mystery box at the end. So you'd get $100 for the candy cane, and I might gift you a $200 iPod. So you had a pretty big actual ROI for buying these things.
0: Yeah, no kidding. And so
1: the the biggest one I sold was, yeah, that that used slobbery tennis ball that my dog chewed on for $750. And so I, I just kept doing those. They started really small. My friends were doing them and buying them and then getting additional things and kind of a surprise mystery box. Yeah. But then towards the end, more and more strangers found these auctions and were like, why are these being bid up so much? What are these amazing reviews that are kind of hinting at these mystery boxes?
0: Curiosity. Yeah.
1: Curiosity was huge. And so eBay at the time had a most viewed auctions list that was on their homepage. Okay. And so a lot of my auctions would end up as the most watched and most viewed auctions and so they would end up on the homepage of ebay.com.
0: Oh, my God. And because of that,
1: we would get way more traffic to the auction. And so the way yeah. that I actually made money on these, which at the time was okay, eventually eBay wrote off in their terms of service, but I would <laughs> link out from the auction to my own website, which had a bunch of advertisements for affiliate marketing for like Amazon or Sony or other yeah. products. And so I would maybe lose $500 on the auction or $300 on the auction, but I would make a couple thousand dollars on the advertising traffic coming through that auction from the homepage of eBay. This
0: is like a brilliant play. Like just an absolute brilliant play. Yeah, Especially was, considering uh... at the time, most people who were in, in eBay were doing a ton of kind of like shipping esque type businesses mm-hmm. where you would just bring in the product and sell it. Bring in the mm-hmm. product and sell it. But your entire... Oh, oh, and this is something I just posted on today on Twitter your entire business was built on attention. All mm-hmm. you needed was the eyes. You could pay whatever you wanted just to get the eyes. But the products that you were selling on eBay were not even the product itself. I'm like... No,
1: not at all. And actually the, the slobbery my mind. tennis ball, I remember that one actually did end up getting shut down at kind of the peak of bidding because the oh. slobbery aspect made it like a biological thing that you're not allowed to ship or sell <sighs> through eBay. And so that was my last nah. one at that point. <laughs>
0: Yeah, it was That's all about terrible. just the,
1: the confusion and mystery, and then the eyeballs that that attention brings yeah. to to the kind of ad bottle on the back end of it.
0: That's crazy, and this is the interesting part. I think that a lot of DTC brands kind of miss, and and this is something I want to start talking more about is the fact that like we are in the attention business. If you can't get attention, that it's very very difficult to grow basically anything. But the way you get attention is also very important. Not just that you're buying eyes, like. That's a lot in paid advertising, which is like totally the industry I'm in. It's really, really important, I think, to make sure that you're getting attention. But how you get that attention Mm -hmm. really will make or break whether or not your customers stay with you and like keep continuing to watch or continuing to buy. And in your case, like you figured it out super early, like 15, that like strange and weird things tend to work for people for some reason. Like people are really interested in that. Why the heck would anybody buy a hundred dollar candy cane? There must be something about that candy cane that's important. Otherwise, it wouldn't mm-hmm. be $100. Even though, <laughs> keep even think a 15-year-old kid was just like, I'm going to price it at 100 That He just decided to do that. Like it, it wasn't worth 100 But that's just what it became. And so it, it leans a little bit into that psychology piece of, we can price whatever we want at whatever price we want to price it at. At the end of the day, it just comes down to, what do people think about your product? That's what makes the difference in business. So dang.
1: Yeah, Very you true. And I, I also lot. think a lot of very people very quickly
0: <laughs> A
1: lot of just exploratory figuring stuff out, banging my head against a wall at times. But
0: yeah, I think that's very yeah. right on the
1: the attention side. And the best type of attention is your friends telling you about something. Or yes. hey, did you see this weird candy cane? And then you're gonna go tell other people. And we, we try to do that a lot at cuppy beds as well, of really activating those people into advocates and getting yeah. them to tell other people it's a much more powerful and attentive eyeball than just seeing it through a Facebook ad.
0: Yeah, 100%. Well, and this would be a good segue too to kind of go into, what do you think has been like the most important thing that you've taken from your early learnings that you now use a lot at Cubby? Do you have that one big tip?
1: I actually think the biggest thing that I've used here at Cubby is a lot of those early learnings across e-commerce. And then I worked in software for five, six years before this. And so just taking things that are kind of table stakes in those industries and applying them to this medical industry that is very old school, the bar is very low. And so doing things like automated email through Klaviyo is world-class in the medical device industry, is table stakes super easy in e-commerce. And so a lot of that is finding these older industries and applying the things that are already proven. And we've done that in a a bunch of different ways from product development to marketing to eventually how we build our sales teams here as well.
0: I think that leads into another really good question that's like probably set for an entire episode in itself. But like, why do you think the medical industry has leaned on these kind of archaic marketing practices for so long? Because it really hasn't changed in a long, long time. Yeah, I want to get your take. Why do you think that is? They haven't really shifted towards DTC practices, which is very kind of fast, much more Mm -hmm. fast-paced than they have over medical.
1: Yeah, I think a big part of it is just if it ain't broke, don't fix it. And what happened is COVID broke it. So COVID came in and completely disrupted how healthcare is delivered. We couldn't go into hospitals. You had to do telehealth. You had to find solutions for yourself online. So a lot of people talk about e-commerce of how COVID took it. 10 years forward and 18 months. Now we're starting to see a reversion there, but I think healthcare is doing the same. And so a lot of doctors are now used to going on Zoom videos, are used to searching for things online. Patients are used to finding a therapist online and talking to them through the internet. And so I do think that a lot of it used to be there's just so many layers of middlemen and they all have their own incentives. And if it's not broken, why fix it? Why try to disrupt it? I don't even understand how the system works well enough to disrupt it. And now there was a big forcing function with COVID that I think has created a lot of opportunity for more disruption and to apply those more modern marketing techniques that we see in other industries, but to the healthcare ecosystem.
0: Oh my god, this is such a good conversation. Like, just especially because the medical industry is not something that I'm super well versed in. I have I never worked in the medical care industry or or really had anybody that I knew that was thoroughly involved in it. With the exception of my brother, he worked as a a CNA for a long, long time. And he was very, very passionate about it, very good at it. But it was hard. I do remember him telling me that it's just hard to watch this industry because of the way the country's set up and the way the system's set up. But that was back in 2000 and I don't even know, 2010. I mean, it's just Mm -hmm. worlds different now because of COVID. So yeah, oh, this is such a great conversation. I I think that's probably a good place to end it for now. Where can people find you if they want to find out what you're working on and what you're doing?
1: Yeah. So our website is cubbybeds, dot com. We're hiring a bunch of across a bunch of roles in sales, customer experience, marketing, customer support, ton of areas. So would love to talk to people there. And then I'm also on Twitter. I'm trying to get a little bit more active there. Caleb, C-A-L-E-B, Polly, P-O-L-L-E-Y is my handle on Twitter.
0: Perfect. Thank you so much for joining me. This was like a great segue into like our next conversations. This was like a good basis. So... Next episode, I think we're gonna chat deeper, deeper into this like medical field and how the DTC industry is kind of changing it for them. So, yes, thank you. This was super fun. Appreciate. Yeah, it.
1: Yeah, looking forward to it. Mesa is used by customers like Mudwater, Chubbies, and over 500 others who want to stop wasting time and money with repetitive tasks. Mesa lets brands like yours work smarter and balance clever workflows with solid infrastructure. Head to getmesa.com,
0: G-E-T-M-E-S-A.com to start automating your store.